Hi guys, uh, welcome to a very special episode of our podcast, Inclusivity First. Today our guest uh, has flown specially from Delhi for this episode in our office in Bangalore. Hi Preeti, hi, how are you? I'm very well, Raghav, how are you doing today? Very good, very good Preeti. The format in which we operate is we ask our guest to give an elevator pitch. So, who is Preeti? Where did you What do you do? What are your plans? Please. Sure, Raghav. So, hello everyone. I'm Preeti Rawat and I am the lead for talent acquisition for Publicis Sapient India. You've already told me that I'm from Delhi. My office is in Gurgaon. So, a little bit about myself. Uh, I have been working with this company uh, for the last 17 years. Wow. Yeah. Prior to that, I was working with another technology company. However, I started my career as a in a very different domain, in a fragrance and flavor company. And, um, wow. and that ha- that's how I started. A mm. uh, little bit about my education background. I did my MBA from Christ College, Bangalore, mm. which was my found- foundation right. for the right. work that I do today. Um, and yes, that's a little bit about me. Perfect. So Preeti, let's go back to when you were like, you know, in your 10th, 11th. Tell us how were you as a student? What were the subjects? Because we want to try to understand, right, your journey into talent acquisition. Uh, you were more of a humanities kind of student, commerce, what? Yeah, so to your question, Raghav, hmm. uh, the kind of student I was, I was a above mediocre kind of student. Okay, not okay. the not the kind of, you know, those who come top, uh, you right. know, top three in the class. Right. You know? Oh, science. <laughs> <laughs> That's where, uh, you know, right. my, uh, right. you know, th- that's where, where I was, right? right? Schooling, you know, I did it from um, Nagaland, which was, again, a very different... Nagaland? Uh, yes, Nagaland. How come? My mom was posted in a border of Nagaland. What did she do? She's a doctor. Wow. Yeah, so my mom was posted in, uh, you know, in the borders of Nagaland and Assam. There is a mm. place called Bokajans where my mom was posted, and I stayed with my mom throughout because wow. my dad was in a transferable job. My dad was, was a banker, wow. and he had to travel all throughout. So mm. I spent a large part of my time with my mother, mm. and that's how I started going to the school in Nagaland. And, mm. you know, it was a very, very different experience. Like mm. when I reflect now, you know, it seems, you know, that was such a fantastic foundation to be in. Right. Uh, so that's uh, that's how I where I did my tenth up till tenth, and mm-hmm. that's when, after that I moved to Shillong. Shillong. Uh, beautiful place. Um, if you have not been to Shillong, I would strongly <laughs> recommend you to visit Shillong. It's an amazing place. Right. I did my graduation up till graduation mm-hmm. in Shillong and BSc. You know, I had my uh, subjects like mm-hmm. zoology, botany because I. You know, had to do my graduation. My interest was a little what, different. What was your graduation in? Zoology and uh, botany. How did that happen? Like, uh, why? That's an interesting journey. Mm. Uh, after my 10th, I wanted to do BCom. However, there was this little push from my family saying that, no, you should take up science. And that's mm. how I en- landed up, uh, you know, doing science. I realized very early saying that, you know, probably physics, chemistry, Physics and maths is not necessarily my strength area, mm-hmm. but I had to complete graduation, right, right. you know, because that that's, uh, you know, in our Indian family, graduation is a must. Right. Right? So I said, okay, fine, if I have to do a graduation, mm. let me do it in botany, zoology. It was fairly interesting subject. What are the career options after that? I'm just curious. Yeah, so with the botany, you, botany, zoology, you can, you know, be, you know, you can also apply for roles like, you know, Indian Forest Service, right? You right. can, you know, move outside the country and be a part of research, zoology research, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there are different career options that you can get in those areas. Right. However, I didn't have interest in those career options. Right. Uh, very clearly, you know, graduation, those subjects I had taken up just to complete graduation. Cheating <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> Not really. Don't lie, I'm a <laughs> 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 very clearly. So that's how I completed my graduation. But very clearly after that, I wanted to do MBA because I had this deep desire that, you know, commerce is something interesting. Right. And, um, you know, I should pick up, uh, I should pick up my thread from there. Hmm. And that's how I came to Bangalore, uh, joined Christ College, um, and I did my, you know, master's from there. Hmm. And then Christ, you were, uh, I think if I'm not wrong, you had a more sales and marketing oriented approach. Yes. Like what yes. you were studying? So in the first year of your MBA, you kind of do everything, right? right? right. And th- that was that was foundational. So right. having gone through that journey very clearly, I felt that, you know, somewhere my heart is in sales and marketing. I mm. liked it. Mm. Um, and then you had the option of picking up two specialization. I said mm. sales and marketing and HR, <laughs> right? 
Right. So um, that's how I picked up sales and marketing. Uh, finance was, you know, I felt that there was too many numbers. It was too many numbers. So mm. I was like, no, that's not what I want to do. Mm. You know, I'm always calculating the balance sheet and looking Boy. at profit and loss. Yeah. Um, I, when I initially thought of commerce, think about it, right? When I was in school, I thought of commerce and how things have changed as I moved towards, uh, you know, my MBA studies. Right. Because, and that kind of made me realize that mm. as you go through the journey, right? Mm. You, you know, it keeps changing, right. you know? Right. And eventually you find your sweet spot. Right. right. And that's how probably talent acquisition mm. happened for me. I found my sweet spot mm. because I found it very relatable to the mm. place that I like. It's mm. sales and marketing and HR. It's a fine combination of all of that. So, yeah. So, so like, I'm just making an observation, right? I talked to a lot of people and some of them, and not like, as a matter of many of them, got into talent acquisition because they were a bit confused what to do in their career. They just knew that they were good in talking to people, understanding humans, like that's why they got into TA. Was that something similar that you were, what you studied, and then commerce, finance was not that interesting. You were like not so sure what to do, so you tried out talent acquisition. I would say yes, to to a great extent, yes. If you think about my career journey, mm -hmm. right? I did my MBA in sales and marketing, then I was offered a job in a fragrance and a flavor company right. uh, as a you know fragrance evaluator right, right? right and then you know it has it had little element i wouldn't say it didn't have at all element of sales and marketing but very little element but it had, it required different kind of skills mm. right it required skills like listening skills it required observing observing skills right, right. right. Um, and then you think about it right mm. i picked up recruiting mm. like i tried a few things mm. here and there recruiting i've could connect. Right. So my observation has been that, you know, it's not necessarily you are clear from day one what is what is it that you're going to do in your life. You mm. explore things. The world is a stage and you can, you know, so many opportunities, so many different avenues that will come in front of you and you never know what ticks for you, right? So like taking a cue from that, right? Uh, what I can understand from that is that a lot of people who start like this, they are a bit scared that, you know, my peer, they were so passionate about talent acquisition, HR, I'm not, will I be able to make a career or not? But from your journey, we can understand that even if in the beginning this was not your calling, if you do something with a lot of hard work, yeah. you're passionate about it, you yeah. develop passion, yeah. this can be a very lucrative yeah. career. So Raghav, you kind of use the word passion, right? right. I think passion is the key, hmm. right? One is that, okay, am I able to relate to the right. work? Right. When you're starting a career mm -hmm. in talent acquisition, you will feel, one will feel that it is numbers. There right. are numbers, there are targets, because your organization is looking at you <laughs> to bring the best and the brightest yes. talent. There is no running away from mm -hmm. that, right? If that gives you adrenaline rush, right. right? And you're willing to really put in that effort. And if that's your that's your calling, then that's the place, uh, mm. you know, you are meant to be. Uh, and passion, for sure, will, you know, has to be there. If you, if you don't like any of these uh, things that I just spoke of, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the adrenaline rush, the number, you will be asked on numbers, your willingness to, at times, kind of make sure that you're spending the large part of your day finding the right talent, right? right? If you can s sit in one place and do that, you know, that's going to be the key. Right. Yeah. So now we look at your journey. After college, you do your MBA, then you get into the fragrances business industry, and then the shift happens to talent acquisition to a tech kind of environment in Delhi. So how did you make that choice? Was that a choice you thought of or that was just the only good option you saw? So when I moved to Delhi, uh, I got career advices from a lot of people around me. This saying, was 2001? No, that was in 2001, I was in Bangalore. Okay. And 2004. Okay. 2004, 2003 is when I moved to Delhi. Got it, right? got it. It's around 2003 right. when I got advices from my family saying that, you know, you have picked a field which is very niche, mm. fragrance and flavors. Agreed. You know, there are just a handful of companies um, in India. Right. So I was told that, you know, it's time. You have an opportunity now, now that you have left your job and you moved to Delhi, uh, it's an opportunity to try out something else. Right. Yeah? And the advice that I got was, you know, maybe talent acquisition is a mm. good place to get started to make a career in HR. Right. 
like I was also kind of swayed by all those uh, conversations saying that, okay, why not? Why not? Let's give it to a To be very honest, my heart was in sales and marketing even yeah. then, right? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I the job that I was doing in fragrance industry had relatable sales and marketing because I would go and visit my clients, right, right. you know, and would talk about the fragrances that mm. has been selected by right, me, right? right? And I love that part of it. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to kind of continue in, in, in that similar space. But having, you know, receiving those advices, I thought, why not I try it out? Mm. Uh, and when I picked up this job in talent acquisition, it was, you know, very relatable mm. uh, to what I was doing in fragrance. Like, I, I still remember the days where I would kind of correlate, oh, what... In fragrance, in fragrance industry, I would evaluate the best fragrance for my client and mm -hmm. I would select. Here, I'm selecting the best candidate for my, <laughs> right. for my project. So yes. I found it relatable. And the process by itself mm -hmm. had the same rigorous process. Mm -hmm. um, and I've, I got the adrenaline rush that I was looking for. Mm -hmm. I saw, you know, if you do well, you get rewarded, mm -hmm. you know. So it kind of felt like a place mm -hmm. where I belong. Fair enough. So... Sapient starts in 2004. That's, that's the, right. That's right. Yeah. And now it's been what, 17 years? 16, right. 17 years? Yeah, yeah. 17, 18 years. And then in the middle, Sapient got acquired by publicists. So let's look at the first half of it, right? When it was just Sapient. How did you start there? And how did you eventually progress in Sapient before publicists came? Sure, sure. So it has been a very interesting journey. Right. Yeah, I started as a sourcer. Uh, talent sourcer in recruiting, as you would know like that. Like a lead you know, generator kind of thing. Lead generator, headhunter, okay. cold caller, uh, you know. So that's where I started, you know, and I was doing it for leadership hiring. How did you um, find people? And I would call board lines, you mm -hmm. know, and I would, you know, network with people. Let's say I've got one lead. I would make sure that I'm building a strong rapport with that individual. Mm. And, you know, I'm generating references uh, you know, with that individual. And that's how you kind of build the right. network, right? That's right. how I started and I thoroughly enjoyed. And and then I got opportunity within the organization to do scale hiring, saying mm. that, okay, now that you have done leadership hiring mm. and you ha you know the nuances of, mm. you know, sourcing and you've done it fairly mm. well, now it's your, you know, try out your hands on scale hiring. Mm. So I kind of, you know, picked up, uh, some of the scale recruiting where you have to hire in masses, but that's a very different ball game. Can you explain the difference between headhunting yeah. versus mass hiring? Yeah. Some things that are easier here and some things that are easier there, yeah. tougher here, tougher there. Yeah. When you're doing headhunting, right, you, typically you will do it for, you know, leadership roles, you will do it for senior level position. Um, it requires a different bent of mind. Mm. It requires, you know, number one, you know, the whole networking skills. Mm. Uh, perseverance of making sure that you're you're calling up 10 you know 10 different numbers in an organization and you kind of just get one person to talk mm. to right um, versus on scale hiring you know it is about speed you have candidates available in in, in niche hiring leadership hiring you have to put a lot of effort finding so does your ego play a role here because in leadership hiring, what I understand is that the person who you are recruiting has an upper hand. Versus when you're doing scale hiring comparatively, you are on the more... You will hand. definitely see a lot of denials right, when, when right. you are doing, you know, uh, leadership, leadership hiring. You will mm. see a lot of denials. Uh, people will say that I'm not interested, yeah. right? Right on your face. Yeah. You know, how do cut you kind the call. Of, yeah, cut the call. Uh, abruptly, you know, right. somebody will question you. Right? How dare you? Uh, yeah. How, dare you how did you call me up? Right? Uh, an unsolicited call. Right. Um, so being able to right. navigate through the mm. conversation mm. Uh, is is a learning experience by itself. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So I learned a hell lot of things mm. while I was kind of doing, you know, leadership hiring. Mm. Um, so uh, I would say that if somebody is wanting to start a career, must start with sourcing right because that's the foundation do the toughest things first hmm. right and the easy things will anyways fall in place you don't have to for me scale hiring was a cakewalk right hmm. because i have done all that but and here it was speed right hmm. you have to run you have to make sure that you know you are funneling in candidates and you're getting conversions right but the tough part is really 
being able to take rejections, being mm. able to, you know, have the tough conversations with the candidate on the other side, being able to have the tough conversation with your stakeholders when mm. you're kind of proposing a candidate, right? Well, a lot of people don't make the shift from leadership uh, headhunting to a mass hiring because they believe they are going down the value chain. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. People I talked to in this industry, but you made that shift. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. What do you think of this thought? So my uh, view is a little different. Right. When I when I, you'll find both kind of candidates, right? People who have done the, in the early part of their career, um, you know, something similar to what I have done. Right. You know, leadership hiring, sourcing candidates. Mm. Um, uh, you know, and then moving to full uh, scale. full scale hiring and you know the mm. entire nine yards of uh, recruiting life cycle right um, and you will also find people who have started their career as a full stack recruiter doing everything mm -hmm. um, and then you kind of you know um, make a journey towards specializing in leadership hiring right mm. now both are both are okay mm. yeah it depends on what's your appetite right mm. how much are you wanting to learn mm. um, if I were to just reflect back and better think that, okay, if I would have started my career in scale hiring and then moved to leadership hiring, would my, you know, uh, trajectory been different, right? I don't think so, no. right? Because opportunities come to you. What you make out of the opportunity is very key. But just think of this, right? When you were doing leadership hiring, you were idly hiring for the senior level leadership that was being interviewed by the senior level leadership, right? So you were directly talking to the end stakeholder or to the uh, creme de la creme of the organization, right? And that gave you a visibility inside the organization at a global level, if I'm not wrong. And now you are heading the whole talent acquisition function. So my question to you is, do you think that visibility you got that helped you in your career? It definitely helped. But also I have seen people who need not necessarily have done the way I have done okay. that. But whenever they got the opportunity, they hmm. maximized. Right. 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 Now, for example, if somebody has been doing a scale hiring, right, and, you know, has and has done a fantastic job right. and has followed the right processes mm, and mm. right methods to do it, you know, you give them leadership hiring, they will apply the same methodology. It's the method that you apply, you know, the way that you work, mm. right? The emphasis might be a little different mm. because in leadership hiring, you know, you have uh, different kind of stakeholders, but your craft is at the core. Right, right. right. So uh, I don't think that matters a lot. Mm. What, how best you make out of it, of mm. the opportunities that you have, are you really learning enough? Are you giving everything in it mm. is the key. Mm. Right? Got it. Because skill hiring also has its own, uh, you know, uh, fun hmm. part of it. Right, right. You have speed, you have to be really quick, you have to kind of know how quickly you need to move on, you can't stay hmm. on with the candidate, right. whereas in leadership hiring you have to stay on with the candidate, right? right. And you have to learn both aspects. And the incentives are also good, right, in, in the scale, because the numbers you're doing, they're very good, right? Right, right. If I'm not wrong. So again, you know, incentives, again, it depends on the organization, what is the incentive structure that they have built around it mm. right but from a value standpoint for a company you need both kind yep, of people agreed. right you need your entry-level workforce you need your mid-level workforce mm. and you need senior level workforce mm. and each of them has its you know um, value in the uh, in the entire chain sapient got acquired by a publicist in 2013 that's right around 20, that time 2013. Yeah, yeah. and you were there uh, from 2004-ish to 2013 in sapient as an entity right yeah. so that's nine years mm -hmm. So nine years, you started as what? In the sourcing department. Right? Yes. And at two, in 2013, what were you? I was probably somewhere at around senior manager. Senior manager. Yeah. Right. So this was a very long journey. Before I talk about the acquisition, uh, did you ever think of making a shift in this part? Because I'm sure there would be times you would be frustrated, you know, things didn't pan out as you wanted. So you asked a very interesting question. So my initial days right. in the organization, I definitely had thoughts that, okay, is this the place where I would right. want? Because of, you know, I thought I can do much more, right? Um, because of... Much more in terms of HR or in terms of... In my, in my, in, in my area of work, yeah? yeah? I, and it was a little different culture as well mm. in my early formative days, you know. Uh, I felt that I could do, uh, you know, much more had it been another organization. I had joined from another tech company uh, at that point in time. Mm. Um, and they were calling me back saying that, you know what, we'll elevate your role. Right. Um, come that's back. That's a classic. Right? Yeah, that's a classic. That's a classic. Mm. 
having said that, right, like, and that happened around when I was in the company for about three to six months oh. in the company, right? Oh, yeah. And it was, for me, it was too early hmm. to say that, oh, this is, you know, this is not the place for me. So I so stayed I on. Stayed I stayed on. I refused that opportunity. Uh, that opportunity came again. I refused again. I started liking what I was doing. Hmm. I started enjoying the culture of this company. Hmm. A lot of new things, you know. Culture being depicted at workplace was something new. Yeah, mm. There were times I would say, okay, really? It happens like this. Mm. Um, it was a, it was a, a absolutely fantastic experience, Raghav, going through that whole culture journey of Publicis Sapient, mm. of Sapient at that point in time, right. uh, how our founders had set up this company and how ingrained the culture was mm. in every people that was a part of that organization, hmm. right? I started appreciating. So I would say that a person must spend, you know, certain period of time in a company before making a decision to move out, you know? Hmm. It takes around two years to really learn the organization well, right? Right. So, uh, so in nine years, right? I, I think you are like three or four very key promotions, if I'm not wrong. And that is a very fantastic journey, but Thinking from your viewpoint, you thought you might have thought I deserve more. So, did you ever feel that, and not in the initial phase, in the mid phase around two thousand nine, eight, nine ish? So for, uh, maybe I was fortunate. Um, mm. Maybe I like to call myself <laughs> fortunate, but right. I got the change before I had asked for it. Really? Yes. Because now that's a controversial thing. A lot of people now feel that you need to ask for what you deserve. Mm. And in your journey, we, you were saying that you never really asked for it. Yeah. It was just earned. Yeah. Yeah. It was just earned. And didn't have to ask for it. Do you regret much. that you never asked for it? No, I never. I don't regret. No? It was work. My mm. My focus was always towards maximizing the impact for the organization. Mm. And my managers took care of it. And they saw that, okay, Preeti is doing things well. Hmm. We must move her up. Right. Yeah. And that's a very important, that built my trust in this organization hmm. as and when I moved, you know, in hmm. year after year hmm. in this company. Um, so to be, to be fair, right? There were the moments where I thought that, oh, can I get a better opportunity? Yes, right. there were moments. Obviously. But, you know, before it could crystallize something, I got elevated in my company. Hmm. And th there are times where, you know, I thought that I need to work upon certain areas, right? Hmm. I had coaches, I had mentors to say that, okay, where am I doing well? Where am I not doing well? Hmm. So what is the role of mentors in your journey? And if you would name a couple of them. There were a lot of mentors in my, you know, uh, tenure uh, with Sapient. Overall, not just, yeah. not just Sapient, overall publicist Sapient. Yeah. Uh, role of mentors you, would, you yeah. would talk about? Yeah, mentors, I would say someone like a guiding light, hmm. right? Who is not necessarily telling you hmm. what needs to be, what, what, need, what you need to do, but showing you the mirror, the path, the right? Path. Saying that asking you those powerful questions, saying that, what do you want to do? What are you liking? Hmm. So that I get thinking, I start thinking about it. Hmm. Uh, my mentor is not thinking for me. Mentor is getting me to think about it. Hmm. I think that was a fantastic, um, you know, opportunities I have got. We had this, we still have something called as career managers in Sapient. Very interesting. Yeah, career manager is not necessarily your supervisor. Okay. Yeah? It's someone else. It could be s anybody that you can pick up. From, from your department or? Anybody from the organization. Really? Yeah. Explain this concept. I'm looking for a career manager, right? Mm. I can, if I have a role model in the company, I can ask for that person to be my career manager. Mm. I would, I, let's say you are there, right? I say, Raghav, can you be my career manager? If you're busy, you can say that, no, I don't have time. Can you look for someone else? I'll go ahead and look for someone right, else, right. right? But the whole idea behind is that the organization provides you the platform that mm. you need. You can go up and ask. Mm. There was a concept of a career manager, and you can go ahead and ask for a career manager for yourself, who you think can shape your career. 
Well. Uh, I had some fantastic conversations with my car- career managers. You know, your supervisor will give a different perspective. And your it's more micro. It's more micro, right? Micro, your day-to-day work, yeah. right? A career manager is off those daily, you know, big, big work stuff. and will get you to think differently. Hmm. Um, I think that was fantastic. That has really uh, shaped. So my name career. a couple of people who really influenced you, mentors. Or role models or whatever. So um, there are a lot of people actually. It, to name just few won't be right. Raghav, um, there were a lot of people in my uh, in my organization sure. um, who have played a tremendous role, who continues to play a tremendous role for right. who I am, and that's one of the reasons I'm sticking around, right? <laughs> because right. you know they have done so much for me, mm. uh, and that's culture, mm. right? And that uh, you know helps me to move forward. Right. So now. In 2013, the publishers acquire Sapient. What we read is that any acquisition, any merger, anything like that happens, it's the culture that is the biggest problem. Mm-hmm. So for you, when the merger was or what the acquisition was happening, explain those three, four months of how, how was, what was on the floor, what was yeah, happening. Yeah. Interestingly, when publishers acquired uh, Sapient, the reason f- uh, for the acquisition was also the culture. Okay. Right? Uh, the similarity of culture between publicist as a company and sapient right right um, and that was a natural natural progression for us you know to be a one company is how we felt we right. really didn't feel that it's a cultural difference mm-hmm. um, and eventually we became publicist sapient down right. the line in 20, uh, 2018 2018 or 19, we kind of launched our brand as publicist sapient um, but the acquisition was you know, pretty smooth. At, you know, it didn't feel like, okay, it is a different culture that I would need to adapt. But people feel very insecure during acqu- these mergers or acquisitions, right? Because you see a lot of common functions getting eliminated. You see leadership getting tangled. You see your manager or your boss changing. Uh, or you see possible threats to the position you want. So did that ever happen for you? Yeah. Not really. Not Be honest. Really. Yeah, I'm being honest. <laughs> um, not really. Uh, and I will talk a little bit more about it. Right. right? So when publicists acquired Sapient, right. Right, it acquired for a specific reason. Of course, one is the culture, I told you. But the second is that it's the engineering arm. Right. right. Uh, publicists, yeah, publicists as an organization is a you know advertising company and Sapient being a pure play tech organization. And that's why, you know, uh, it made absolute sense for them to acquire us right. and, you know, be an extension to to the company, mm-hmm. right? So th- that was not necessarily, you know, this threat of, mm-hmm. you know, elimination. Uh, I have been in this company for so many years, right? So right. it's not that... Never okay. came, never it occurred. Nev- never occurred, right? Okay, well, we have to eliminate, you know, the workforce and because it has been acquired by by a company. No, not that was never the reason. Uh, we went through our own journey of uh, acquisition, um, which was, you know, understanding the business. Our business only grew from there on. Right, right. Uh, and, you know, we became a much bigger, uh, stronger brand. So, Preeti, now my question for you is that a person who is starting their journey, right, in talent acquisition, the 22, 23, 24, what is that one piece of advice, just one, you'd want to give to them? My advice will be given your 100%, right? If you want to make a career in talent acquisition, then given there is a lot of hard work, mm-hmm. it is not a stepping stone to other HR function. No. One should not look at it like that. Right. Yeah. One, if you are really passionate about bringing in the talent that creates the future for the organization, mm. and you have the hunger and you are willing to put in that hard work, mm. this is the place for you. Okay? It's a. It could be a very rewarding profession, mm. uh, provided you are in it 100%. You're willing to give in your, you know, everything to it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, but if you come and saying that, mm. okay, I'm joining talent acquisition because, you know, after some per- certain point in time, I will do HR, right? Mm. Uh, it works for some, but I personally do not make that recommendation, Makes right? Uh, yeah. yeah. So, Preeti, uh, in this talent acquisition space, right, 
this work life balance people have a big challenge with right to maintain that because you have deadlines you have to do closures you have to do calls then the offer dropouts are happening you need to have a backup candidate you know what i mean right so how did you maintain your work life balance and what do you do other than work yeah so one is you know your time management you mm. know that you have only these many hours in a day right and you need to prioritize i think planning time management is key you know mm. strategy is a key for a recruiter you know you need to figure out you know uh, which part of your uh, your right. entire life cycle is you know how much time you need to plug it mm. in mm. what is the pipeline that you require to get your conversions right are you spending too much time with a candidate are you spending too less a time with a candidate i would say a reflective mindset for a recruiter is absolutely absolutely important right to be successful mm -hmm. and manage the time otherwise you know there is no end to it you will like end up working 24 by 7 which is definitely not advisable and it's also not productive right yeah? um it requires solid you know uh planning and management of your time and so lot what happens is in the ts space a lot of people have to work on the weekends mm. because the candidates are more active during the weekends mm. and a lot of people are annoyed about the, about the space mm. so i'm sure you also in your time when you were in this as a recruiter kind of thing you had to work over the weekends yeah. did yeah. you yeah i did work over the weekends and you know we have hiring drives over the weekend and we kind of make sure that we all are doing you know you know we have a roster created more importantly raghav uh, it is about outcomes right mm. if i have to do something i have to do something right? right and i will manage my time i also i also know that i need to give time to my family mm. uh, i need uh, time for my own self my own mental well-being and i have my work to do, right. you know to take care of so how do you manage between all these three areas right there are times that you have to do more of your personal stuff mm. less of work sure we prioritize your family right there are times when your work requires you more than you know your other stuff sure prioritize that more importantly be very glued to the outcomes mm. um, and plan your activities to get to that uh, get to the outcome perfect so really what do you do in your personal time other than working like Tell us some of about your hobbies. What what else do you do? Right. So uh, Raghav, I'm a fitness freak. Oh yeah, yeah. we can see that. <laughs> <laughs> um, besides mm. recruiting, um, I like you know really taking care of myself. Mm. I meditate. I do yoga. My daily routine is as soon as I uh, get up, I freshen up myself, and I do my 21 minutes of uh, yoga. Okay. And that's when I get started with my day. Wow. Uh, and then I hit the gym. I work out. Mm. Uh, gym is of course not daily like at least i try to hit thrice or four oh. times a week um mm. i'm also a reebok certified uh fitness trainer oh wow so that's that. my my passions which is why i got the certification crossfit uh, not uh, not crossfit it's a right. you know um aerobic trainer right 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 so um i'm into fitness i mm. like being fit i like recommending people mm. to be fit because if you have a healthy body mm. and a healthy mind you are at your best at workplace thank you so much priti uh my segment is done now i pass it over to ankita to talk about diversity and inclusion in a workplace sure thank you raghav loved the conversation priti and i'm very excited it's it's like a dream to talk to you today thank, thank you, you so much for coming here uh, my question before i start talking about uh, publicis happen because i've been following following their work they do a great job with diversity and inclusion but i'm sure that you are a very important person for it so how did you start your diversity journey as an individual and how publicis sapien uh, started their di journey sure for publicis sapien uh, diversity and inclusion has always been a part of our culture yeah it's a part of our fabric ever since its inception however we felt that having been done so much of work in this space mm. we have an opportunity to create far larger impact on diverse groups and diverse communities mm. yeah during the same time it was a couple of years back ankita when dei council was set up in india Yeah. What is that? What is it? DI Council. The purpose of DI Council is to bring in leaders to enable them to build confidence to talk about diversity, inclusion mm -hmm. in the larger community. And this uh, is a private body. No, it is our. Uh, oh. We built it. We built it yeah. internally yeah. within oh, wow. our organization. Okay, uh, more like an ERG. Uh, it is uh, slightly more broader than an ERG. Okay. Right. It's bringing in all the leaders across different functions. What is ERG? Employee resource groups. Oops. Yeah. So groups curated to 
Right. Or, yeah. So uh, bringing in all the leaders uh, from different functions mm -hmm. uh, to be a part of the DEI Council and essentially enabling them to talk about diversity, inclusion, and equity with confidence, hmm. right? Um, I was a part of DEI Council. At that point in time, I had taken the role of Publicis India Talent Acquisition Leader. And, um, you know, as a part of DEI Council, there were a lot of sessions, there were a lot of hmm. conversations, training program, uh, discussions, stories hmm. that were discussed, that were spoken of. And that enabled me, helped me to strengthen my belief mm. in the you know, DEI effort of our company. You know? And I felt that being in the position of a talent acquisition leader, I have a huge opportunity to That's make right. an impact mm. to the organization's goal mm. in DEI. So I think that's how I got started. And uh, what was the strategy that you followed for Publicis Sapien to hire more diverse candidates? Sure. Mainly, if I were to just think about hmm. the strategy, talent acquisition strategy uh, to increase more of our diversity, inclusion, and equity within the company, mm -hmm. I could recall of four or five things, right? Uh, number one, uh, very important, building awareness among hmm. our teams, among the interview panels, among the stakeholders, but why is it that DI is important? I think it is important to address mm. that. Right. Why is DI so important for why, the why is it so important? It is important because number one, when you have diverse people in your workspace, right, you are able to appreciate each other and you bring out your best. Right. You yeah. become you right. become far more empathetic and that shows in the work that you do. Definitely. Yeah. That makes the that creates an environment to bring your best self, mm -hmm. right? Great. And when you create a best, you know, when you're creating an environment that brings pe brings out the best self of an individual, mm. you know, the person creates magic at workplace. Great. That's great. Yeah? And of course, that is, well, makes sorry. sense for the organization mm. from all perspective. So that is awareness. Uh, I think that is a key part of it. We ran sensitization training program across uh, our hiring teams, across interview panels, across, uh, leaders mm. um, to address things like unconscious bias. Yeah. Yeah? The kind of conversation we should have, right? What are do's and don'ts? Can you give an example of an unconscious bias you saw? Yeah. The bias is that for women, work is not necessarily very important, right? It is secondary for them. You've heard that people believe that, that or say that? Yes. It, there, there is this, you know, um, perception and then perception leads to biases. At least in the Indian society. Yeah. Um, bias around people with disability. They will not be able to deliver the kind of work that we want. Right? Mm. People who don't have experience, necessary experience, they cannot be groomed. So a lot of biases mm. that, uh, you know, unconsciously we get into it. And those training really helped me as an individual, right. mm. uh, helped the, you know, interview panels, the team, mm. first to understand that. I think that awareness session was number one, the key. Sensitization. Sensitization. Yeah, yeah. Right. The second one is building or expanding your talent pool. Mm. Right. How do you expand your talent pool? Like, while it is great to kind of have DEI as a part of our talent acquisition strategy, but we need people as well, yeah. right? Now, uh, your regular channels don't necessarily work, right? You have to think beyond it. Yeah? So when you mean regular channels, it's like job platforms. Job or platforms, or yes. Yeah. You have to kind of think about it differently. For example, hmm. we had redone our job descriptions completely okay. uh, to remove all the biases, right? And okay. the job description was you know, is biased when you put words like, okay, aggressive, mm. yeah? Uh, there are tools that helps you to remove all those biases from the job description so that you get more diverse applicants to apply. We did that, yeah. yeah, yeah that I think that's a mistake we do. We never, I never realized that, what I'm just realizing, speaking to you. S because aggressive, now that I think, looks like a, you know. Uh, very, very masculine. Yeah. 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 Never thought of it, thank so you. So what are these tools? Uh, there are a bunch of tools, uh, Ankita, mm -hmm. that you can explore, you know, um, 
I'm um, unable to recall which okay. tool that we okay. were using, but there, there's so many of them, okay. right? Um, you can use any one of them to kind of do remove, uh, the, remove biases. the biases. Okay. That's one. Second is referral, right? Now, referral, mm. you know, one is that you kind of, you know, launch a referral program. Second mm. is, right, really you kind of, you you've done the sensitization and telling people that explore your network, mm. think beyond, and that requires, you know, road shows, uh, team-wise discussions, making it a part of our conversation, mm. right? Th third, which has really helped us increase is partnership with specialized agencies, mm -hmm. uh, colleges. That has also helped us to kind of increase mm -hmm. our pool. Um, we also launched a program known as Spring Program, which is women returnee program. Okay. Yeah, they have people have taken a break for year or more than a year, really bringing them back to workplace, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And when you bring them back to workplace, this is not just about recruiting effort. It is about really bringing you know your entire ecosystem to support them. Y we need you know the delivery team. We need mm -hmm. uh, learning and development team, the onboarding team. Uh, the other people functions to really set them up for success okay. because it's not about just hiring it is setting up people for success mm -hmm. right this is a returnee program this is for females who have like for, for who are pregnant and then came back or how does it any kind of break okay. yeah. yeah so have taken more than a year break uh, and want to come and why do they usually take this break i don't understand different like like you rightly said you know you had a baby and you kind of want to take prioritize mm -hmm. your personal stuff Managers. or you have something else you have yeah. a personal thing to take care of so uh, that's another one um, what else can i think of and this is for men also if they took a yeah. break it is a this is a spring program okay. yeah uh, we have launched it to really improve our women diversity uh, in our organization, so which is why we kind of launched it. We felt that you know this was required to bring in sure. the kind of uh, uh, you know gender uh, you know per uh, percentage in our organization. Mm -hmm. Then we ra ran campaigns on you know uh, within our company hmm. uh, to bring in people with disability okay. from other you know underrepresented groups hmm. like LGBTQI. Hmm. Um, these are some of the things that I could think of, Ankita, mm -hmm. to increase the uh, talent pool. So what I hear from you is basically, uh, as we, we have been interviewing, right? So uh, we have heard that they are making their base right, like JDs, gender neutral, sensitivity first, and then they go ahead and hire candidates from diverse communities. But we have seen in a lot of organizations, they hire first, and then eventually they leave. And they don't think sensitization being a very key, big aspect to do such programs. Mm -hmm. So what is your thought on why sensitization should be done initially itself, yeah. then so after hiring? Yeah, so sensitization is the key. That's the step one. Step one. So we at Publicis Sapient, mm. we have made sensitization program a part of our onboarding program. That's really? Great. Yeah. That's great. Wow, Actually, man. that removes all the biases. Right. Yeah. So before a person comes into the mm. organization is sensitized mm. about it. Yeah. Mm. Um, and that has helped us to become truly inclusive mm. in nature. Um, I would say that, you know, every organization must do that. Mm. Every organization which truly wants to become, you know, diverse, inclusive mm. and equitable must run their sensitization program in the big as as soon as you bring in a person then doing it later doing mm -hmm. it later is a lot of more hard work and also you know it's not necessarily so effective okay. right. diversity equity and inclusion is not Just talent a TA's or job or right DNI it is job, yeah. or a dni leader's mm -hmm. job it is entire organization now as a ta function what we do is that we collaborate with people we bring everyone together right make it a part of our conversation like we make it a part of our recruiters myself we make it a part of our conversations with our teams with our peer groups with our stakeholders hmm. uh, and our you know interview panel hmm. on a regular basis hmm. and it is important to do it on a regular basis because you tend to kind of just go back to your regular schedule right hmm. uh, and that's very important to make it make this conversation uh, a regular conversation and not one-off conversations.
Mm. Uh, that is a third part of our strategy. And fourth, I would say, you know, measuring the effort, the DEI effort. Mm. Um, while we are putting in, doing a lot of things, what, which one is giving us the outcome? How do you right? measure it? Yeah. They're different, like how funneling. Are we funneling it right, mm. right? Are we, you know, business leaders, are they building teams with the right percentages, right? Um, you look at all of that? We look at all of that, yeah. And we talk about it in our leadership meetings. Wow. Yeah, so th that's very important to yeah. keep DEI in the front and center of the organization. So what usually happens is when people talk about DNI, it's mainly gender driven. So for you, is it just gender driven or there are other aspects also? There are definitely other aspects, oh. right? For example, you know, people with disability, um, women returnee program, your uh, LGBTQI community. So there's there are a lot of other oh. other groups, and that's what BRGs are, mm. right? Uh, we have about good eight to ten BRGs that we run within the organization. BRGs is business, business resource, resource groups. groups. Okay, yeah. got it. Yeah. So uh, tell me one thing, right? Like LND, learning and development, right? A lot of these people from underrepresented groups, when they come, the level playing field was not the same. Yeah. So they require some level of training, stuff like that. So how critical is the internal L&D department here? Very critical, I would say. And that's where I would like to share with you an example on the spring program, right? Spring program is really to hire women back to workplace and hire them at the level that they left, not at a level the lower, yeah. right? right? Yeah. It is, and this is what differentiates Publicis Sapiens, you know, women returning program from many other organization, right? We kind of hire them at where they left. Mm. And the whole idea of the learning and development team is to bring them up to speed, you know, to be at the place that their peer group is. Mm. Right. Yeah. And that requires, we have a good six to eight months of mentoring sessions, wow. body alignment, um, to make sure that the individual is making progress. Yeah, somebody is there to ask that individual, "How are you doing? What are the challenges you are facing?" There are self-paced learning programs that has been designed to make this program successful, and it is a fairly successful program, hmm. uh, our spring program at Publicis. So I have also seen that uh, mostly diverse talent is hired on a junior level or lateral level. Uh, there's always a problem to see, like not just women, I'm talking about people with disability and LGBT candidates to reach at a leadership role. So what are the roles that you're playing at this moment, your organization is playing to ensure that they move to leadership roles? I think that whole coaching, mentoring session, hmm. number hmm. one, we need to hire them. Right, and second, really coach and mentor hmm. for them to be able hmm. to play at the level playing, playing field. Okay. Right, um, we all understand that not necessarily, you know, the different communities they have started at the same level. Hmm. They would have started at a different level hmm. of because of various reason, right? Hmm. And hence, it is important that we kind of elevate them by focusing more on their development. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, because they didn't start same. Hmm. Right. Um, and That's great. and you know and then the individual sees progress over the period of time hmm. so uh, one more question said uh, so i have seen that culture plays a very important role in any team now let's not talk organization let's talk team wise how we can improve a culture of the team and it can improve in the results of the team so talking about the culture um, i take a lot of pride hmm. being a publicist sapient and working with an organization which is so rich in culture hmm. right? inclusive collaboration is one of our culture hmm. learning mindset is another culture likewise we have around five five cultures right five core values hmm. well culture is overall it's the core values that determines the culture hmm. and interestingly you will see in our organization a common theme across people and the leaders that holds everyone together mm. is the culture of the company. Everyone will depict a certain, you know, similarity in behavior, mm. and that is the culture, yeah. right? Uh, if you were to speak with people in the industry as to what is it that you like about Publicis Sapien, they mm. will say culture. Um, those five core values that I spoke of, Ankita, uh, is our guiding light. Mm. Like, you know, we spoke about DEI, part of our onboarding session, mm core values is a part of our onboarding session. Mm. Because people join us from different kind of organizations, different values. Right. How do you kind of get that person to believe in the core values, right? 
the leader plays a very important role hmm. to live the core values. Hmm. Yeah, and every leader in our organization does that consciously. If I were to talk about my function, talent acquisition function, I tell my people that at any point in time, you feel confused whether this is a right behavior or a wrong behavior. Right. Just look at our core values. Okay. You will get the answer. So, Preeti, what are the five values, core values of a publicist sapient? The five core values, uh, Raghav, that we kind of live by is engaging with openness, inclusive collaboration, partnering for client impact, embracing the future, and learning mindset. Mm -hmm. Now, each of those core values are truly defining principles for us. Right. At any point in time, a new joiner in your organization mm -hmm. feels a little lost. My recommendation to them is that look up the core values and you will get the answer. Mm -hmm. Essentially, the entire essence of the company, why we exist and how mm -hmm. we need to behave right. is in the core values. And how well do you like, make sure they practice? How, how do you ensure that they practice? It is by, the, by your behaviors in your day in and day out conversation. Is it part of operations also? It is a part, it is, it is given. It is given that, you know, you're living your core values, right? Mm. Uh, if you live your core values, that's when you Move work towards, towards the goal of the organization. And if you think about it, each of these engaging with openness, inclusive collaboration, partner for client impact, you know, learning mindset, embracing the future, mm. uh, you know, it is very true to oneself. Right. You know, it, it, it is not, uh, you know, very different from being who you should be. Right. Right. These are the values that we live by in our life as well. So it comes naturally to to people. Makes sense. Um, so it is very relatable, and uh, you know that helps the organization to stay s build that culture within the company. It's the people who defines the culture of the company mm. and the behaviors that you exhibit is the key to it. If everybody behaves in the right, in, as per our core values, you know, we are able to create so much more impact for our people, for our clients, for the organization. Perfect. Sure. So I'm going to ask you the last question because all the audience over here, th there might be a lot of TA leaders. So what is your advice to the, those TA leaders to start their diversity and inclusion journey in the organization? So Ankita, I will kind of uh, make this message more for talent acquisition community, okay. right? Okay. Not just TA leaders. Hmm. Um, number one. Hmm my message to the talent acquisition fraternity will be that spend time to understand why is DEI important for you? Hmm. Yeah? That one should always find out time to internalize that before hitting the ground. Because once you have internalized why DEI is important for you, a lot of passion will come at the workplace and you will start doing things without being necessarily told. Hmm. It, it, it wouldn't seem like, you know, there is hmm. an additional hmm. lens. You will feel that, you know, you need to do this, hmm. right? I think that's, that's a key part of it. Hmm. Second advice will be that make it a part, make it a part of your active conversation on a regular basis with your colleagues, hmm. with your leaders, with your team members, with your stakeholders. With your uh, family. With your family, absolutely, <laughs> 100%. Thanks for adding in, Ankita. Yeah. So I think that's, again, a very critical part hmm. to, to making the DEI journey successful uh, in the organization. Perfect. Thank you, Vidhi. Really, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you, Raghav. Thank you, Thank so you Ankita. Thank you for coming. having me in here. And it Love was fantastic chatting <laughs> with both of you. Definitely. Thank you. Thank